Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, thanks for listening to Al Bernstein Unplugged. After we taped this week's episode, we subsequently learned that Nonito Donaire tested positive for COVID-19. So unfortunately, he had to drop off the Showtime card for later this month. However, please enjoy the show this week. Al had a great interview with Nonito over his long, illustrious career and found out some great information. We'll be answering your questions as well. So thanks for listening. Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode. I think it's going to be a very special one because, among other things, we have as our guest the great Nonito Donaire. Nonito, of course, a champion in four different weight divisions, and now at age 38, still fighting for a vacant world title on December 19th on a fight that I will be doing on Showtime against Emmanuel Rodriguez. Um, Of course, he's coming off that great performance against Nayola Inoue, uh, in which he was just scintillating, even in losing. It was perhaps the fight of the year uh, for 2019 and just an amazing effort by uh, Nonito Donaire. We're going to get a chance to talk to him. And uh, of course, we're going to answer all your questions and uh, to help me do that and chat about the world of boxing. My co-host, Mr. Trip Mitchell. Trip, how you doing? I'm doing great. And I remember back, you had me do a Nonito Donaire fight a number of years ago at the Hard Rock where Andre Ward kind of shadowed and got a chance to realize that he is going to be a great boxing commentator. But Donaire is literally one of the nicest, smartest guys in the sport. Yeah. I, you know, if you don't like Donito Donaire, then you just don't like anybody because he is a great, (laughs) great guy. And that, and it comes across in the interview that, uh, you know, that he did with me. If you've not heard Nonito in an extended interview format, uh, you'll, you will come away uh, feeling just what Tripp said. You know, he's a, He's just a, an excellent man and, uh, uh, and, and has had an interesting career, that's for sure. But some ups, some downs, uh, but mostly ups. And, uh, and it's, it's certainly a Hall of Fame career, uh, to be sure. Well, one of the divisions now that seems to be just in the forefront are the welterweights. Yeah. And, of course, we're not too far removed from uh, – Errol Spence showing us uh, against Danny Garcia that he is uh, not in any way damaged by the car accident that he had. And he performed extraordinarily well in beating Danny Garcia, who himself is an excellent fighter. And Errol Spence announced that, yes, I'm here where I was before as one of the top pound for pound fighters in the sport and certainly one of the top. Uh, welterweights uh, in the world. And here's where now, uh, you know, we we are left. Um, 
I'm not one of those people that, you know, is, is given to hyperbole or is a, you know, a person that talks about the sky falling if a certain match doesn't happen in boxing. Um, but I think boxing is going to be at an inflection point in 2020. Right after the Spence uh, Garcia fight, uh, Ken Ioli, the fine columnist for uh, Yahoo, uh, wrote about the fact that boxing needs to make big fights, and the biggest that it needs to make is Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. And I really believe that at this juncture, and this is in no way to denigrate Sean Porter, former guest here in this show, who is a fantastic welterweight and, in my opinion, is right there with both Crawford and Spence. You know, he fought uh, Spence to a standstill and could have gotten that decision. And one would assume he would be very competitive against Terrence Crawford. So I think Sean Porter's right there with, with them. But Crawford and Spence are the two welterweights that fans want to see in the ring. They have not seen them in the ring. Uh, Terrence Crawford, because they haven't been available to him, has not been able to fight the cream of the welterweight division. You know, the Thurmans, Garcias, Porters, Rodina Sugas, Manny Pacquiao, um, Spence. And so we haven't seen that. And we want to. Uh, all boxing fans do. And mostly boxing fans want to see Crawford against Spence. And I believe that it's very important for that fight to be made in 2021. For the same reason it was important for Manny Pacquiao and uh, Floyd Mayweather to be made and why it hurt the sport that it wasn't made for so long. Because what happens is the mainstream sports media picks on that main fight that isn't being made and picks at it like a, a festering scab to say this is why boxing is not a great sport because they're not making fights that matter when in fact they may be making other fights that matter but not the one that is on top of mind of everyone including the media and and that is one of the main reasons why um spence and crawford needs to be made and because the fans want to see it and you know, I'm not going to be a nostalgic uh, kind of guy and say, well, you know, it's like in the old days when they did it with Hagler, Leonard <laughs> Hearns, and Durant. They did. <laughs> but uh, forget that for a moment. They need to make the fight just because they need to make the fight. Uh, and, and it does uh, do the sport uh, well to make those kind of matches. So I hope that that can get made. I know there are problems with networks, promoters. Uh, and, and other things. But, you know, they were able to get the uh, Fury-Wilder fight made with essentially similar personnel involved. And um, I believe it's important to make the, uh, the Spence-Crawford uh, fight. All right, let's uh, start with our questions. Well, first of all, I just have to say that you are a wordsmith. There's no question. The Festering Scabs would be the greatest name ever for a punk rock band. Yeah, exactly. That was a little graphic, wasn't it? Okay. Well, I, I don't know, but uh, our, our, speaking of the welterweights, our question from R.L. Malprika, have, if you had to compare Errol Sprentz Jr. to a fighter from the past, who would it be? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, you know, look, it would have to be somebody lefty. It would have to be somebody who had a terrific jab, somebody who was a good body puncher, somebody who had high volume uh, as part of their attack. If you put if you, if I think back to somebody that fits all those, that description, it's a great, marvelous Marvin Hagler. 
now, who of course fought at the middleweight division, just above where Errol Spence fights. And, you know, Errol Spence hasn't yet attained the status of Marv Marvin Hagler, though certainly he's one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in boxing today. Where he gets to ultimately uh, on a plateau of greatness, we don't know. Uh, but clearly, Hagler reminds me, or Errol Spencer reminds me of Marvin Hagler. And there's also they, but the, the fact that they are laser-focused when they get into a fight. Um, and it's that kind of focus and that kind of competitiveness that allows them uh, to win. So that would be the comparison I would make. Uh, we are going to chat now. I will chat. We'll show you the interview that I did with Nonito Donaire. Nonito is fighting on December 19th against Emmanuel Rodriguez for a vacant uh, Bantamweight title as he's moved down to Bantamweight, which is very rare for a fighter who, uh, at his age, he's now 38. Um, and uh, I'll be uh, thrilled to call his fight on Showtime. And here's our chat with Nonito Donaire. Nonito, your performance against Naoi uh, Inoue was nothing short of a revelation. Uh, you did not win the fight, but you did everything but win the fight and put yourself back on the, uh, the boxing map in a huge way. You look like a rejuvenated fighter, uh, were you? I'm, I'm very, I felt very good uh, going to that fight. And um, as well as, as I think it was just the motivation, you know, there's a lot of motivation going into that fight. And, and, and just when, when, when you are inspired, you know, you can move mountains. It, it's just kind of, kind of that thing. You, you, you were, it wasn't, you know, the, the performance in that fight was remarkable on many levels. One was the fact that you were able to stay, sustain against somebody who was thought of as one of the most powerful punchers in the lower weight division. And your skill set was so excellent in that fight. Uh, so you had two things going uh, at the same time that were pretty remarkable to fans. You know, I, I, again, you know, we, we really, really focused on, on, uh, on just being, just putting out the best of, of everything from speed and power, you know, and, and just very confident going into that fight. Um, and I was, the thing about it is I've been, I've been doing this for quite some time. So the, the confidence level for me and, and fear factor is just, it's not, it's not there when it comes down to being inside that ring. It's just, it's my home for me. Well, you've had a remarkable career. Now you are, have a chance uh, on December 19th uh, against um, uh, Rodriguez to win another world title at age 38. What would that mean to win the, uh, yet another title at this point in your career? I mean, I've had a lot of titles, so, um, you know, that would be a great blessing, but there, there is uh, a journey that I'm, I'm going into, and, and that is becoming the undisputed champion of the world, you know, and, and, and fighting against Inoue again. Uh, that's, that's the goal for, for my last hurrah. You, how have you been able to, you know, you've had a, a, a career that's had a kind of um, amazing periods, and then you had a little lull. You've had a, a few little setbacks. How have you been able to sustain over all that time to to still come back and 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 each time that you've had some setbacks, you've come back from them. I, you know, ultimately, it's just being healthy. 
being healthy and, and being disciplined when it comes down to a lot of things, eating the right food, um, training constantly, you know, even if I didn't have anything, um, just mentally preparing myself and, and just mentally in good health, you know, and, and overall when, uh, you know, the ups and downs was just the motivation of things. And, and ultimately it showed in the last fight and in, in this tournament or the, that tournament, the WBSS, um, how, how much I still have in the game. Um, and it all depends on how inspired I am in, in training and my mental, my mental capacity or my mental health is, is in the right track. Um, you know, I, I'm more actually, I feel a lot better go, going into this fight now because of, of, of what that last uh, fight, uh, you know, had taught me. Yeah, well, you got to feel confident after the way you performed. Now, you were supposed to fight Nordin Ubali, an excellent fighter who was a champion, and now it's going to be for a vacant title against Emmanuel Rodriguez. Um, what did that change in opponent do for you in terms of your preparation for this fight? You know, it's been it's been very very difficult in terms of uh, um, just preparing for all of it because of COVID. And, you yeah. know, there's been there's been numerous gyms that I went to have closed down, you know, because someone has, uh, has you know, con contracted the, the COVID or got the COVID and and um, just finding the, the sparrings and all that stuff that I can control. And, and you know, not, not now not everyone's willing to to follow the rules of like, I'm not going out. You know, I want to go out. They want to go out, you know, mm. so it, I had to come up with just uh, a tech a, a, a step. To, to to allow myself to be confident that I'm not going to test positive and I'm getting the right um, uh, the right work you know from everybody else but you know ultimately again experience will come into this um, but the main thing right now for me that I that I am hundred uh, percent in 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 as, as a weapon for me is just just my mental my mental my mental, health and, and, and where I am mentally in, in, uh, in, in confidence for this fight is, is my biggest, um, my biggest key. How, how, how is Rodriguez different in your mind than Ubali in terms of what you have to prepare for? Well, you know, it was co completely, completely different. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's sidetracked me, different style, different height, just everything for me. And I had to, to just switch everything up mentally, you know, um, because it, it, that's the most difficult thing that people don't understand or, or fans don't understand is that when you change the, the opponent, you have to change everything else, you know, from, from, from the sparrings to, to techniques and, you know, uh, um, strategy and all of that stuff. So we had to revamp everything and, 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 you know, go from there. But again, just the confidence level and the experience that I have just allowed me to just go with the flow. You uh, got your career start on Showtime on uh, <laughs> on Showbox, and uh, your biggest coming out moment, which I was uh, privileged to announce, was the fight in which you beat Victor Chinian. It was the knockout of the year. It was the upset of the year back in two thousand and seven. Uh, you shocked the world. Uh, that moment, I know, still must be etched in your brain as something extraordinarily special. Well, definitely, you can never forget the first time around, you know, and and the way it uh, it just elevated me as as a, as a as a as a man, as a person, as a fighter, 
you know, it's 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 there. And then I, I remember you guys doing that and, and that that is never ever gonna leave uh, the memory, you know. It was fantastic, it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty extraordinary. And, you know, many of us watching you perform, and even though Darchinian at that time was thought of as almost invincible by many people, there were a lot of us that felt that you had a shot to win that fight, uh, even though you were clearly the underdog. Uh, did you sense that some of the boxing pundits were kind of thinking that you had a shot at that? Um. I mean, there was a big surprise, but a lot of them, a lot of them have said that, that it was more surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was, there, but the majority were, were very skeptical about, about <laughs> my capability. Yeah. I mean, you're talking to a guy who was, I think he was 28 and, and oh, with 24 yeah. knockouts or something like that. And, you know, and, and he has defeated my older brother right there uh, before, right. before that. So, um, you know, a lot, there was just a lot of things going on for me, but, but I think that, you know, it depends on the personality of a person. My personality was I was even more eager and, and more excited for it. And then just the fear left me because of the fact that I only have one uh, thing to do and that was to win and knock this guy out. And that, that was, I, I can still remember that emotion. <laughs> yeah, you did it. And it was a, it was an extraordinary evening for sure. And it launched you on, uh, on the way to uh, an excellent career. So here you are now, at, uh, again, at age 38, uh, still fighting exceptionally well. <laughs> How much longer do we think that Nonito Donaire will continue on in boxing? I mean, I, again, you know, going back into it, I am very healthy. I, I take care of myself really well. You know, I, I, I don't go out there and drink and party and all of that stuff. I'm just pretty much a family person. I play with my kids all the time. I'm hanging out with my kids all the time. Um, you know, so <laughs> I'm a homebody when it comes down to that, yeah. but I do take care of myself really well. And I can, I can do this for a very, very long time, but you know, it's, it's just, for me, it's just a matter of, of, uh, of how inspired I am. You know, my, my only goal right now is, is to capture all of the things because I've captured everything else accolades in boxing from, from Naka of the year, fighter of the year, um, multiple division champion, multiple world champion, uh, unified champion. The only thing that I have not acquired in, in, in the accolades that I, I, I seek to, to accomplish is becoming undisputed. And, and that's something that I am looking forward to, to aiming for, for 2021. And you did a remarkable thing at your age coming down in weight. You've gone down to a weight that you hadn't fought at in a long, long time, that was, which I think has probably contributed to your recent success. How hard has that been? Actually, it was very easy for me to make the weight. I've always been, um, I've always been the smaller person. I just always had, you know, kind of figuring out that this is a better option for me to fighting bigger guys, more monetary value here, you know, and more challenges here. So I've, I've, I've gone up in weight, up and down in weight. Um, and then when I was given that opportunity, I'm, you know, by uh, Richard Schaefer, he just kind of said that, are you willing to, are, are you able to go down to 118? Yeah. I'm like, that's not a problem, <laughs> you know? And, and right off then, you know, I, I, it was, it was easy. And I actually, the last fight I've only, I weighed in at 116 and, and wow. people were wondering why I was walking around weighing in and, and drinking water, you know, because I, mean, I weighed in at 116. So 
I know that I could even make it at 115 if I want to. Wow. <laughs> you know, so. That's 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 actually pretty extraordinary. Uh, obviously, you want to win on uh, December 19th, and you're looking to unify. Uh, what do you think when people look back at Nonito Donaire and, and and what has been a remarkable career? What do you think they'll say your legacy was? Well, I, I you know, I. I not much of a legacy person or, or thinking about any of that, but I just hope that, that um, he was the guy who represented boxing well. You know, he was a guy who, who respected the sports well, who, he was a guy who loved the sports well, and he was a guy that, that fought everybody. You know, I want to be remembered as that because boxing is, 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 is gentleman sports. It's, it's a beautiful sport, and it shouldn't be talked down by, by people who, who, uh, who, who, tries to to devalue the, the game by by talking all this crap or by putting on a show when boxing in itself is a gentleman's sport you know yes i do believe that boxing has to change in ways to get it out there in in, in people's eyes but me as a person you know as an old school type of fighter in my mentality boxing to me is a gentleman's sport that when when we can kill each other inside that ring but at, at the end of it all when you need help you know, at the end of it all, when the fight is done, when you need help and, and, and I can help you in ways, I will be there to, to grab to grab your hand, help you financially or whatever it may be. You know, I'm just uh, this is this is just, a, 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 you know, you're, you're clashing with swords in, 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 that, in that way, you know, putting your life in the line and, and, and sharing that emotion. You know, and I, I believe that that's the important things. And I love the boxing world for that, you know, and, and I'm going to be there for the guys that I fought and even the guys that are coming up. You know, and that's just how I want to be as a person who loves the sport with all his heart. Very well put. And uh, I think that encapsulates probably the way people will look at you because uh, they have uh, seen you comport yourself in boxing over a long period of time in an excellent fashion. Nonito, I, I really appreciate you visiting with me. I'm excited. I'm going to get to announce one of your fights again. It's been a little <laughs> yes. bit of a while. <laughs> yes, and and hope there's more to come, Al. You know, I I I love you guys. You guys are amazing, and and this is going to be very exciting for me as well. All right, we're very happy that you're uh, you're going to be on board, and uh, look forward to December nineteenth. Take care. Thank you. You too. Take care and be safe out there. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about my bookie. You know, ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things, uh, but in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win. And uh, what team should they bet on? Well, I'm not an expert, but, uh, you know, they ask, do you have the Patriots, the 49ers, the Bucks, the Raiders? Who are you, who are you betting on? Uh, well, the best piece of advice I, I can give uh, is that where you're betting is just about as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to go to my bookie. Uh, they've got deposit matches, free bets, huge cash prizes, uh, contests for all of you to take advantage of. And it's all season long. The NFL, yes. Uh, college ball, of course. Uh, plus, they have a mobile-friendly uh, website uh, and uh, top-of-the-line customer service. Uh, that makes their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. Now, my bookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure that you're covered every step of the way. So... Um, you want to sign up to uh, MyBookie today. And when you do, use our promo code, Bernstein, uh, to claim a halfway match on your deposit. So if you put down, for instance, $200, 
they're going to spot you another 100 to play with. It's a bonus designed to give you a, a little bit of a helping hand and a head start uh, on getting your winning season going. So that promo code is Bernstein. It's B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, promo code Bernstein. Uh, so you can claim your bonus uh, when you make your deposit, and it'll help you get a good head start. So the stacked UFC, UFC cards, um, all kinds of other major sports betting, you can get it all at my bookie. Now, the MyBookie folks have uh, been uh, nice enough to provide us with some uh, credits that I, we can wager with. And I, we actually won last week, I believe, with our <laughs> uh, prediction. Um, and this week, uh, which game are we uh, looking at, Trip? So Tennessee Titans going down to Jacksonville, and they're laying seven and a half on the road, which normally would be scary, but Jacksonville is not exactly a model franchise. They are not, and they're coming off a tough loss, and the Titans coming off a tough loss, and I believe the Titans are going to be loaded for bear, uh, and, and I think that even though that's a, a significant number of points to give, I just see the Titans running all over them. Derrick Henry did not have his usual stellar game uh, this past week. Uh, and I think he will uh, when they uh, take on Jacksonville. And so I am saying that, uh, that they will cover, Titans will cover, and you should go with the Tennessee Titans. Okay, quick question before we get off the My Bookie segment. Uh, did you have anything to do with the defensive coverage in the last play of the game for the Jets against the Raiders? In all of wa uh, watching sports, I'm going to say that was one of the most remarkable moments uh, of my lifetime. I could not imagine blitzing eight people and leaving every, every receiver with single coverage with only seconds remaining when, in fact, the only thing that could beat you is a Hail Mary. Have you ever seen anything like that? No, I'm used to seeing eight guys, three guys rush, eight guys on the goal line, and it looks like a volleyball game. That was ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, it's just unfathomable. Greg Williams, of course, taking all kinds of heat for that, as well he should. Um, but it was unfathomable. It was just beyond comprehension. Uh, and no, I did not uh, participate in that uh, <laughs> decision-making, thank goodness. Well, thanks to my bookie. That's a fun segment every week. And I feel that we are going to – we're on a winning streak, and it's going to continue. It, you, I have all the confidence in the world. So, uh, as Tripp uh, aptly pointed out, Nonito Donaire, a, uh, quite a gentleman and quite a, uh, uh, a fine fellow in every – a sense of the word, and I think that was demonstrated in that interview. And he's very thoughtful also about his career and about what he has achieved, what he still wants to achieve. Obviously, his big goal is to unify uh, the world titles in the Bantamweight division. We'll see if he can do that. Well, as we mentioned before, you you uh, send us your questions. And uh, Tripp, you are the keeper of the questions. What other questions do we have that are unanswered? Okay, well, there are a lot, but on this show, at least, we're going to start with Mike Hunt asked a question. Was Castillo Corrales the greatest fight you've ever called? Ah, 
Yes, indeed. Uh, Jose Luis Castillo and Diego Corrales, uh, no question it was the best fight I ever called. And I did Hagler Hearns, but the reason I would put Castillo Corrales over that is it was Hagler Hearns times three because it went nine and a half rounds um, uh, longer than uh, Hagler Hearns did. Uh, it was a fight that uh, most boxing fans thought would be good, but it didn't resonate as a ticket seller. There were only about 5,000 fans in the Mandalay Bay Event Center in Las Vegas to see this fight. But by the time the fight got going, they sounded like 15,000 because the action was so amazing. Uh, we thought that Diego Corrales might box in this fight. Uh, he had employed that in his previous fight, working with uh, trainer Joe Goosen, and it looked superb in doing it. Instead, he decided to engage with Castillo. They stood in front of each other and fought as if they were both in a phone booth for nine plus rounds, both giving as good as they took. And while it was a, a wildly exciting fight that you could term a brawl, it wasn't a brawl. It was a highly skilled affair in which both men showed not only grit and courage, but also a great skill level. In the 10th round, of course, uh, Castillo knocked down Corrales twice. Corrales was able to get up, uh, but it looked for all the world like uh, this fight was going to go to Jose Luis Castillo until uh, Corrales landed a really good right hand that turned everything around, and Castillo uh, ultimately would be stopped with uh, against the ropes, defenseless, uh, and the referee, Tony Weeks, would come in and, and stop the fight. Uh, and uh, Corrales came away with a great win. And yes, it was the greatest fight that I ever announced and maybe the greatest lightweight uh, championship match that was ever held. Do you, after a fight like that, did you know right away it was in your one of your best you've ever called? Yeah, I think you, right away uh, afterwards you felt uh, that it was so extraordinary. And, uh, you know, I, I've announced so many boxing matches and there have been so many exciting fights. So it's kind of hard sometimes to pejoratively say something's the best. It's like deciding who's the best, uh, you know, uh, movie you've ever seen or whatever. But in this case, you, you knew it was true. And you mentioned that it was at Mandalay Bay, which is different, both owned by MGM Grand. But of all the places that you've announced in Vegas, do you have a favorite? Um. I like the Mandalay Bay, actually, of the bigger arenas. I like it a little better than the MGM. It's something that makes it feel a little bit more intimate. One of the great locations for boxing uh, at the former Hard Rock was the joint. Uh, of course, now that hotel is becoming a, a different brand. But the joint was a, a smaller venue that there was a lot of great boxing matches uh, at, the, at the joint. Yeah, no Nito Denair fight that we were just talking yeah. about was there, and that was a lot of fun. And you, the Hilton was crazy many years. Yeah, that was a great location as well. So uh, as we get to more questions, I've got to put on the keeper of the question glasses, which is <laughs> frankly horrible. Let's talk about the big fella. Who would Fundura, the giant welterweight, fight next? Ah, yeah. Sebastian Fundura, uh, who was the uh, – a super welterweight, 154-pounder, uh, who just won on the undercard of Spence and Garcia. 
That weight division is so filled with great fighters. Jared Hurd, J-Rock Williams, Erickson Lubin, uh, Tony Harrison, uh, you know, obviously Jamel Charlo, uh, Brian Castaño. Uh, the, na- the list goes on and on and on. There are so many great fighters in that, in that weight division. One of the fights that I would really love to see, and I just mentioned him last, is Brian Castaño, who uh, who I think, you know, or Slandy Laura also, who Castaño fought, another 154-pounder is terrific. I would really be curious to see Fondora in against Castaño. That would be the kind of match that I think would tell us whether Fondora could face some of those top 154-pounders. Uh, I don't know that that's a fight they're planning on making, but I do think that one would be a good one. And whoever they have him in against next, I think it would be great to put him in against the top contender. Now, he's only 22 years of age, so they don't want to rush him, but he's ready, I think, for those kind of challenges. What do you think weight class ultimately he will be the most successful at? Well, he'll probably get up to middleweight for sure because he's so tall. Uh where whether he'll how far he'll get beyond that I'm not sure but uh, he but he says he can fight at 154 for a while so we'll see. Okay, minute bowl of boxing here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've got a fun question from Doc Bluff. I'd love to know about some of the large wagers you made on matches throughout the years. Well, I you know I the, number one I made it the rule that I would never bet on a fight I announced, except I broke that rule once. When I was doing, early in my career, I was, Gene Hatcher was fighting Johnny Bumpus. It was a a championship fight on the undercard of Ray Mancini and Livingstone Bramble. It was a syndicated show that I was doing. And I just felt, Gene Hatcher was a fairly significant underdog to Johnny Bumpus. And I had done a lot of Gene Hatcher's fights on the Top Rank Boxing Series. And Johnny Bumpus, terrific boxer, but I felt Gene Hatcher would beat him. And I placed a wager on it, even though I was announcing the fight. Well, the fight was going on, and Johnny Bumpus, who was a terrific boxer, was outboxing Gene Hatcher, which I kind of expected to happen for a lot of the fight, but I felt like Gene Hatcher would get to him. Well, the rounds kept piling up and piling up, and he wasn't getting to Johnny Bumpus. And while I'm announcing the fight, in the back of my mind, I'm remembering the wager I made. Uh, finally, in the later rounds, Gene Hatcher did get to Johnny Bumpus, and he did knock him out, uh, and I won the bet, and it further reinforced, and from that point on, I never bet on a fight that I announced, um, and part of it was because I remembered that awful feeling of trying to concentrate on announcing the fight, also making sure I was unbiased, uh, and worrying about how my bet was going. Now, the, as far as a large wager, I don't wager that much to begin with. But unboxing, the biggest wager I ever made was one, I bet $1,000, which is a lot of money for betting if you don't bet. Uh, And I bet on Jerry Cooney to beat George Foreman. And the reason I did that was because Gil Clancy, uh, who was a great broadcaster and great trainer, my mentor in the sport of boxing, who was at that point training Jerry Cooney, had always told me that the one weakness that George Foreman had is that if you were a tall left-hander and you had a great left hook, you'd have a great chance of beating George Foreman. Well, Jerry Cooney fit that bill exactly. And when I was talking to Gil Clancy while he was training Jerry Cooney, he said, Jerry looks fantastic. He said, we're going to win this fight. So I said, okay. 
So I went and made that bet. And in round one, uh, Jerry Cooney did hurt George Foreman badly with the left hook. And George told me later it was one of the hardest punches he'd ever been hit with. And he thought, oh, boy, I, I've got to get this guy out of here or I'm going to get knocked out. And sure enough, a round later, he knocked out Jerry Cooney and my $1,000 went uh, down the drain with it. Um, so that was my my largest and most inappropriate wager. Uh, and since then, I have to be honest, I've never wagered that amount and I don't bet too often. <laughs> You're a married man, so those wagers are out the door. Yeah, no, you don't <laughs> want to be work. making those bets when you're when you're married. Too much. You to knew explain. George Foreman th throughout George Foreman's career. What? Why do you attribute the fact that he became really a different guy, just kind of a wonderful guy later on in his year? Well, you know, I think that the young George Foreman had the same sense of humor as the older George Foreman. I actually think it was how the media perceived him. Yeah, he, well, for one thing, he he looked up to Sonny Liston. And he knew Sonny Liston. And so some of that gruff exterior might have been his way of emulating Sonny Liston. But I don't ever think that uh, George Foreman was really, I think the media kind of, um, he did things to contribute to it in terms of the way he idolized Liston. But there was still a great sense of humor in the young George Foreman from everyone that I've talked to as there was in the old George Foreman. But he kind of allowed himself to be a, that guy more regularly or more often uh, as he got a little bit older. Well, and one of the richest boxers ever, thanks to the George Foreman grill. Yes, that's for sure. Well, how about the Al Bernstein grill? How did that work out? Ah, you know, I don't think that's ever been marketed well. Okay. <laughs> We've got a little switch up. Talking about music, Tommy D's asked, who is the Muhammad Ali of male vocalists mm. and the Lucia Riker of female vocalists? Ah, okay. Tommy, by the way, a great sports writer down in Alabama, a uh, terrific guy who uh, knows uh, all about all sports, uh, including boxing, and, uh, and he's a big music lover. So, And, it, and he has, uh, I think Tommy has uh, seen me perform up in Las Vegas once or twice. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, so yeah, this is one of those, subjective kind of things that everybody has different lists. I'm not going to pick one. I'm going to pick three. So for the, for the Lucia Riker part, I'm going to say Ella Fitz, I'm going to pick from three different genres. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald, the great jazz singer of uh, years gone by Barbara Streisand, who I think has the most amazing instrument and Ann Wilson, the great rock singer of heart, who I think is the best rock singer uh, of all time. Um, so I would pick her. Wow. And again, this is totally subjective. So everybody has their own list. Um, and by the way, if you see this and you want to chime in with your list, uh, send it to us on Twitter at Al Bernstein and I'll, uh, I'll be happy to look at it. Um, for, uh, the Muhammad Ali of, uh, male vocalists, I'm gonna go with Sammy Davis Jr. as one of those people. Obviously I like the great American songbook and I like, uh, that, uh, you know, that genre. Um, and I'm going to go with Steve Perry from Journey, who uh, was one of the great, you know, uh, rock singers probably uh, of all time. And uh, for number three, uh, I think I'm going to go with the great Otis Redding, who was one of the great blues artists of all time. 
so I could name 25 more, but that'll be my, I'll stick with that. Who, who's your favorite vocalist, Trip? Who, who, who do you like the best? Well, it's kind of shocking, but I, uh, during my uh, selling t-shirt days, Hearts, one of the band we worked for, and Ann Wilson is oh. amazing. And a couple years ago, when they did the Led Zeppelin tribute at the Kennedy Center, oh. Ann and Nancy came on with some backing from one of the Foo Fighters and did um, uh, Stairway to Heaven. And to look at Jimmy Plant and Robert yeah. Page, Plant and Page crying during that performance was amazing. That was one of the great, it's a great reference. That's one of the great moments of the Kennedy Center Honors, which is, you know, that show is an amazing show every year. Uh, that's one of the great moments of the Kennedy Center Honors. And it's one of the great musical moments of all time, period. And you're right. When they cut away to the members of Led Zeppelin and they were just in awe of what she did. So, yeah, pretty, that was, that was pretty amazing. And then two bands out of Chicago, Styx and REO Speedwagon. Ah. Those guys could make, and it's the 70s music. It's classic rock, but yeah. hey, what the heck? No, we very, deserve it. Those are good choices. Yeah, that's it's very good. And, you know, of, of current artists, I mean, I love a lot of the current artists. So went back and, and looked at some of them. But, you know, the Lady Gagas of the world are, are pretty amazing, you know, and there are, there are many great artists today. So who's the, who's the best anthem? you've ever rendition at a fight you've covered? Oh, at a fight. Uh, I'm going to say uh, at a fight I've ever covered. Um, wow, that's a good question. Well, I better, I better, uh, one thing, when my wife sees this, uh, she, I, I could be in trouble because her and her sister sang the anthem at the Vinnie Pazienza Roy Jones Jr. match. So uh, I, I better put her at the top of the list if I want to stay married. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but there, there were, a, I, there were a lot of great, I, I'll tell you what, one of the major fights and I forget which one it was, Whitney Houston sang the anthem. And uh, of course we all remember her great anthem at the, uh, Super Bowl. Well, the anthem she did in that particular fight was pretty amazing as well. Have you, have you done the anthem at any fights that you've called? Not, I did not at fights I called. I've done it at some smaller fights. Uh, and uh, around the United States. Of course, when I'm announcing it, you, it's hard to get up there and do it and come and sit down. So I haven't actually done that. And as you well know, my son, Wes, has done the anthem at a number of fights here in Las Vegas, uh, including a number of the ones that we've had on Showtime. So it's a kind of a family affair. Well, we want to uh, mention Tom Yankello. He and, uh, does an amazing job. Yeah, Tom did a good job with Roy Jones Jr. at the uh, his exhibition with uh, Mike Tyson. And Tom has his uh, YouTube channel, World Class Boxing, which is um, uh, a very good site. If, you, if you're an amateur boxer and you are someone who is involved in boxing, you want to go look at those videos because they're very uh, educational. And even if you're just a, and just as a boxing fan, you can see uh, in those um uh, in those videos, there's all kinds of things to glean from from it. They're about styles and how different fighters fight, and uh, it's a fun uh, it's a fun site. So go to uh, Tom's World Class Boxing channel on YouTube, and you will uh, you'll enjoy what you see. Now we uh, have Lennox Lewis coming up uh, our next time on our show and it's good i think you'll really enjoy the conversation i had with him we talk a lot about his career and his approach to boxing and uh 
I will say that, you know, interviewing Nonito Donaire and then Lennox Lewis, I don't think you can interview two men who are better ambassadors for the sport of boxing, that's for sure. So uh, you'll look forward to hearing from him. Well, my thanks to Nonito for joining us on this show. My thanks, as always, to Tripp for his fine work. And uh, my thanks to you for uh, watching and listening and also uh, for sending us uh, your questions. And uh, we'll see you next time.